It is Locked on Jazz for the 25th of January. The injuries are loading up. How concerned should we be? Plus, the young depth gets a chance to play. Can we use it moving forward? Who wins the West? Is Phoenix really the favorite? Plus, do they have anything we want? Part two, what about Gordon Hayward? Ah, would you? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers. Hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Thanks so much for taking the time to make Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. So thanks for tuning in. You can subscribe on iTunes and push that little button. Excuse me, subscribe on uh, YouTube and hit that little button to be notified every time uh, we post an episode. Uh, as I said, there's a chance I'm not going to go live one day this week. I'm going to try something. Uh, break. I'm Actually, what I'm going to try is, and be curious to know what you guys think, I was going to try to break the episode into three pieces for YouTube. So you get three 10-minute episodes instead of the full 30. For those of you on YouTube, it might be better. For those of you on the podcast, the 30 minutes is probably better. Good morning to Paul and Brandon and Tyler and Mark and Drew and Andrew for all stopping by. Um, let me just... Big picture after last night's loss. The Utah Jazz will not be the number one seed in the Western Conference again this season. Okay? So that's clear. We're not going to be the number one seed again. The We're eight games behind the Phoenix Suns. They're rolling. Uh, we're not going to catch. We're, they've lost nine games in the first half of the year. We're not going to catch them. So now the game really probably is as simple as not being the seventh seed. And we're six games ahead of the Minnesota Timberwolves and six and a half games ahead of the LA Lakers. But that is really where our focus has to be at this point in time. We're not going to be the number one seed. We're truly just trying to survive and get better. And frankly, we're good enough on the road at 15 and nine. We're 15 and nine at home that while ideally you do start your first playoff series at home, uh, I think it actually, you know, there's other things that can drive the importance of this. Um, And we're just, you know, there's no way we're catching Phoenix last night. And if we had pulled off a miracle, got it to six and then beat them again tomorrow and got it to five, we could start to maybe talk about that as a concept, but the idea that we could be the number one seed is over. And now it might be over for everybody, but golden state, frankly. And now it's just going to be a question of making sure you don't get slide all the way to seven, which feels like an impossibility, but it's five in the loss column to Minnesota. It's six in the loss column to the Lakers. It's seven in the loss column to the Clippers. And I am really concerned about our injury situation. So, Boyan Bogdanovich is the toughest guy on the team. No offense to all the other players, but I think that's universally kind of accepted. He's just stoic and uh, incredible. 
Um, and that is, and so when you look at Boyan Bogdanovich, what you see is just a guy who's going to play. There's a great story about Boyan in his first game or second game of the Jazz. He sprains his ankle. He doesn't play in L.A. And the story goes that the trainers come back to him the next night to talk to him. He goes, you had your one game. Um, and so, therefore, he played. And if you look at Boyan, he plays all the time. So the other night, Boyan went from a white tape on his finger, which has been bothering him all year on the left hand, to black. I joked on the broadcast that he's so superstitious and he wasn't shooting well that maybe that was the story. Well, that's not the story. The story is much more significant. The story is that that black is a splint. And it's a splint in which he has an avulsion fracture, which means that the bone, with the ligament still attached, has pulled off the bone and fractured. So you now need the two bones to, to reheal. And the only way for that to happen is for the finger to not bend for six weeks. Four to six weeks for the finger to not bend at all. And the dude is likely to play through this. Now, this is similar to where he plays through the wrist injury. And then when the league isn't quite sure about what we're going to do, whether we play or not, they finally pull the plug on, the, on it and get him to have the surgery so he's ready to play the next year. This is his non-shooting hand, so that was the right wrist. That was much more significant. Um, and it would be interesting to, you know, this has got to impact him at some level, frankly, uh, when you have a finger on your left hand that you absolutely cannot bend under any circumstance. And if it bends, it doesn't heal. And the understanding is he's going to try to play through this, which is remarkable. Um, but it's not great. It does feel a little bit like the route to surgery with his wrist and, you know, the script. And part of me wonders, like, do you just sit him for six weeks? And then he comes back in the middle of March. And hopefully we're not the seventh seed because that's actually all that matters anymore is that we don't become the seventh seed. That you just let Boyan sit, get this finger right, and then have him come back. We'll see. Um, but he is every indication he's going to play through the other one is we got no update on Rudy Gobert's calf strain. Um, calf strains, and maybe just because I have Aunt Andre Karolinko um, flashbacks from when Andre Karolinko used to get calf strains and then be out forever, actually can be not great um, and end up being that you, you miss a, a decent amount of time. So I don't know. You know, we got no update if it's a grade one, grade two, or um, anything of that sort. Um, Kevin Durant, kind of when you do a calf strain NBA, the first one that comes up is the grade one strain of Kevin Durant. Um, but it actually, that turned out to be an Achilles. So I don't think that's what we have. Um, but I'm suspecting that Rudy, I would be surprised. I'm not a doctor. I have no idea, but if you kind of a grade one calf strain, a pulled muscle, a minimal tearing, is usually seven to 10 days is kind of every report I've read on this. A lot of this comes back to the amount of reporting that was done in 2019 around um, Kevin Durant. So that's seven to 10 days. A grade two strain, which is an incomplete muscle tear, requires three to six weeks. And a grade three, which is complete tear, which clearly he didn't have since he played a few possessions on it, is, is it. So I'm going to guess, I mean, Rudy downplayed it a great deal, but it's still considered a muscle, pulled muscle of, of minimal tearing of some sort, and we could be without Rudy for seven to 10 days. You know, seven to 10 days for us here is Phoenix, Memphis, Minnesota, which is a really important game all of a sudden. 
Denver, Brooklyn. Like, I don't know that we get any of those. And then we suddenly come out of Fe- come out of February, try to get hold by New York, and then we have New York, Golden State, Orlando, Houston, and the Lakers before the break, and suddenly we are ch- chomping at trying to avoid the seven seed. But we've lost eight of ten. And if we're without Rudy or for another ten days, and if we could be on the verge of an extended Boyan, ugh. Now a little a little downer here. I don't mean to like. The other one I'm concerned about is Royce. So Royce has been, he just sat out the other night. And I, I think truly what happened yesterday was, okay, Donovan's going to be out. Rudy's going to be out. Boyan's injured. Pull it. Like no need for Mike to play a back-to-back. Royce, to me, Royce looked really off in the last few games. And his last, the last three games, Royce, who's always playing 30-plus minutes, was a combined 2 of 12 from the field, 2 of 10 from 3. He did have 15 boards in one of those games. He was just really absent from the Golden State game. He's been brilliant. Royce has been shooting it prior to this, and this is part of the reason why this jumped out to me. Prior to this, if you look at like the eight games prior to that with Royce, he's shooting 57% from 3. He was actually taking 4 or 5, and all of a sudden it just kind of went away for three games. The concern I have on this is a track record of Royce's career. And that is that he just, he's not athletically as gifted as a lot of the guys he's playing against. And so he ends up, I think, you know, burning out a little bit. And if you look at him pre-All-Star break last year, he shoots 41% from three. And then in the second half, last 20 games, he shot 35% from three. And if you go to 1920, which is a little funky because it's got, the bubble in it, but it's the same story. 41% from three in the first half of the season, 32% from three in the, in the second half of the season. In the 18-19 season, same story. 41% from three in the first half, 32% from three in the second half. Or excuse me, that was 1920. In 18-19, 44% from three and 30% in the second half. So if you look at the career splits for Royce O'Neal, Pre-All-Star game, he shoots 41% from three. Post-All-Star game, he shoots 32.5. The only explanation can be that since he guards the number one option more than anyone else in the NBA, that he is suddenly wearing, and he's not a lead athletically. If he was lead athletically, he would have been drafted. Is he suddenly wears down. Well, you know, to the balance conversation we had yesterday, which I probably should expand on, we can't have him wear down. We really cannot have him wear down. And the fact that he sat out yesterday and, you know, it was right knee tendonitis or something, he just didn't look right to me. That's the one I'm actually equally as concerned about is whether we got to get, we got to make sure Royce O'Neal is right if he's going to play the role he has. I'll dig into that a little bit more with the fragility. I want to look at the West. I think there's funky stuff going on that we'll play. Who do they have that we want? And are you willing to do Gordon Hayward? Are you willing to do Gordon Hayward. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. We want to give you the VIP experience at Murdoch Hyundai. So what you need to do is email me first before you go down there. But here's the other thing. I talked to Blake the other day, still holding impressively to the, we are not going to charge more than MSRP 
to any of our customers. I don't want to go to the grocery store. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to see people. And no, we gouge them for an extra few thousand dollars because the market allowed us to. That's not who we are, not the member of the community that we want to be. And so that's beautiful. Part two is he said, probably 90% of our sales, the car is sold before it gets on the lot. So what you want to do is head over to Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street in or in Logan and Linden. In this case, you'd see Jason Creech at 4646. Look at the various cars. Look at what's there. Find out what's on the shipment schedule and then get yourself in line to get that car. They do have cars coming in, so that's much improved. But they are not, if you're looking for a brand new Hyundai, you're going to probably have to get it before it gets on the lot from my conversation with Blake. So feel free to email me first. We'll set you up with Jason Creech. They will not go above MSRP. The Sonata and the Elantra are fabulous. If you're looking for the SUVs, we have two of the Santa Fe's. I'm driving the Coda right now. It's the smaller, uh, fuel-efficient, fun version. And there's also the Tucson right in between. So it's all at Murdoch Hyundai at 46, 46 South State Street. Have you played prize picks yet? We could have had fun with that last night with the amount of guys we had out. Uh, prize picks is the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. You've probably been hearing me mention this for months. The question is, have you signed up? For a limited time, Price Picks has an exclusive no-brainer offer for all users. $50 for free if a player in your first Price Picks entry scores a single point. But you must use the code NBA. Exclusive offer to lockdown listeners. Use the code NBA. Price Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS operator. Offers all the superstar players as well as bench players. Only recording a handful of minutes each night. You could have taken Jared Butler last night. Prize picks offers any prop you can think of on points, assists, rebounds, threes made, etc. You pick two to five players on over under on their projections, and you can win up to 10% on any entry. It's up to you and your projected numbers. Go do it at prize picks. That's 50% free if you score a single point. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. Use the promo code NBA. Thanks very much for making locked on your. First listen of the day, Locked On Jazz. I greatly appreciate it. For your second listen of the day, Locked On Now runs down the NBA action every night, and Locked On Bets gets you ready for the next day's gambling fun out there. All right, so I've kind of mentioned this a few times, and I, I want to get into it. I actually think it's pretty important for us. So, like, the analogy I keep using is that we're this beautiful crystal ball, and we're delicate, and we are a little fragile. And when we're together, the light comes through it in prism and beautiful colors and all of it. Maybe we're just a piece of glass art or something like that. The, the problem is it does feel like we're a little bit of a Jenga version of this, that if you pull out a piece, it can come shattering down. And those obvious pieces are Rudy and Donovan. I also feel like there's an element here that is that all the pieces have to be perfectly aligned for us. And maybe this is every team, but frankly, watching Chris Paul last night, just single-handedly will his team to the victory you know, he truthfully, without being critical, he did last night what our guys have not been able to do. Um, and give him credit. He's one of the greatest players of all time. But quite, if we're being quite honest about our guys, what we have not done this year is when things have gone awry against Detroit or Houston, we didn't have Rudy, uh, I got it, um, is find the ability to go win that game. Last night, Utah outworked Phoenix, out-hustled Phoenix, outplayed them. Uh, Phoenix kind of rolled into the game, thought they were going to get, you know, get it easy. And sure enough, to the imp- to the impressive work of, of the Daniel Houses and Trent Forrest and Jared Butler's and Eric Paschal's of the world, 
the Utah Jazz absolutely um, surprised Phoenix. And then it took Chris Paul to assist or score on 20 straight points to win them the game. Uh, and to me, it it's that was, you know, to his credit. It, they didn't have to be perfectly aligned to it. We feel it feels to me like we have to be really, really kind of perfectly aligned for us to go win ball games. And part of what I think is happening right now is that as one or two guys is off their game, um, it's then having a trickle down effect that is significant. So, and I don't know where to start it, but you know, if we start with Jordan. And if you come back, I think it was from All-Star break last year. You know, Jordan is incredible last year. He drops 41. He drops 40 against Philadelphia on the 15th of February. And he comes back as 18, 19, 20, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. And then we go, we kind of go to All-Star break right around there. And to me, it's as though the league came out after that and was like, you know what? That's enough. Like, all right, we're going to game plan. For Jordan Clarkson, um, I joke on the broadcast, I don't think he's been able to go left sit or right since. He's only been able to go left. And it's a, you know, we're still pretty good in that stretch. We're 52 and 27, but it's been, you know, this will be the 80th game. In those 80, last 80 games that Jordan Clarkson's played since All-Star break, he's shooting 40% from the field and 32% from three. Okay, so this is not like a slump anymore. This is the league has come out and scouted him and this, we're at 80 games, a full season. I mean, I can back it up, I think, quite frankly, if I want to take it instead of playing it at March um, of last year, I think I could back it up to January of last year, and suddenly we're at 105 games, and he's at 41% and 33%. So wherever your sample size is, you know, he's still doing valuable things for us, but that that's reality of who he is. That means that someone like Joe, to me, has to be who Joe was last year. And that is this incredible, because Jordan's so inefficient and using a lot of possessions, then Joe has to be really efficient like he was last year, shooting 49% and 45% from three in his 28 minutes a night. Well, what's actually happened here all of a sudden is now Joe's shooting two less times per game. He's shooting eight percentage points less than he was a year ago. And he's 10 percentage points below on his threes, taking one less a game. Joe's effective field goal percentage has gone from 65 to 55. Well, all of a sudden, if Joe's not as efficient and that this is just who Jordan is, then all of a sudden what I feel like, it suddenly puts an undue pressure on Royce. Royce suddenly can't just be the defensive stopper that only takes three or four shots a night because we suddenly need more out of that position. And Royce's beauty, which is that he has a low usage rate, he's willing to guard the tough, hardest guy, he rebounds well for his position, and all the things that he does beautifully, when Jordan's this inefficient self and Joe is then off, then all of a sudden there's this undue burden on Royce to be something he's not. And as you kind of walk down who we are as a team, right? So Rudy's going to do the defense and put the pressure and Donovan's going to make the plays and Mike's going to be Mike and Boyan's going to be Boyan. Those two are pretty darn consistent in what they do night in and night out. There's not a lot of iteration um, there. And then we get to this next group of players that was winning us games. And that group is just, Jordan is a 40% shooter, 32% from three, highly inefficient, high volume player. 
Joe has to be this like incredibly wildly efficient player for, and he's not right now. He's just average. And then that puts the burden on Royce. And as you like, who's is Rudy gay at 36 going to be the guy that picks up the slack for those two things. Like that's where the balance is just a little off right now. And it's a trickle down. And it's this kind of same thing that we're just this, we're this beautiful piece of art. And when it's all going right and the light flashes through it and it looks great and all these things, but all of a sudden when there's a chip in Jordan Clarkson, then that means that Joe Ingles, and then that's a chip there. Then all of a sudden our art's like damaged and it's not as beautiful. And that's kind of where we are right now. And I don't know necessarily, like, I don't think Jordan's changing. Jordan's it's been a hundred games and Jordan's shooting 41% and 33% of her being generous. And if it's 80 games or it's 40 and 32, you can choose. That doesn't really matter. But, but it's, that's just who he is. Like, we're not getting 44% and 37% out of Jordan. That and After 100 games, I'm not expecting anything different. I don't know what Joe is at this point. Like, when the age bug hits Joe Ingles, it's going to be ugly. Because when you lack athleticism, and Joe doesn't lack athleticism, but he's not Rudy Gay, Tracy McGrady, Joe Johnson in their prime. The idea that Joe lacks athleticism is a little misleading, frankly. Um, he's super long. He does a lot of things well, but what, the fact is that there's a spectrum by which NBA players exist athletically. And this is the peak over here, which is Rudy Gay at his prime, Tracy McGrady at his prime, James Johnson's prime, Jeff Green at his prime, like the greatest athletes to ever play. 6'8", 220, can do everything. And then there's the spectrum, and this is where, like, there's not an NBA player uh, who's in the league, who's on the other side of this wall, right? You just fall off the cliff, it's over. And so Joe Johnson started all the way on this end, and then he just meandered his way down, 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 down. They got to the cliff, he fell off, and he was out of the game. Carlos Boozer started very, very close to the edge of the cliff and was able to have this incredible career, but then when he slipped a tiny bit, boom, he was off the cliff. And I feel like that's Joe. Like Joe's sitting there, he started awfully close to that line of athleticism. There's just not a single player that's in the league that's on the other side of the athleticism curve. And so I think Joe started like a little bit close to that line. And then if he's actually slipped and he's on the wrong side, it's just, it happens, right? It's just over. That's just what happens. So, and we don't know on Joe because he started his career later in his minutes and his games. It's just an age number, but that age number is kind of out of whack. So it could just be, you know, he was so great last year, but to be 10 percentage points off his three-point numbers of a year ago, which I think are a little misleading. I've said this before. I've kind of gotten into that. Empty arenas, unnatural shooting. So instead of saying Joe's 10 percentage points off, let's say he's six percentage points off where he was um, a year uh, for his career. That feels something that's a lot more correctable along the way. And if you look at his splits last year, you know, there isn't he, – he he gets an incredible burden of starting 21 games post-All-Star break last year. He still shoots it great. He shoots at 44%. So it's not as though you can look at this thing and say, well, in May last year, in nine games, he shot 33% from three, and he's never been the same. Eh, I'm not going there with Joe. Uh, I, I think that was an unusual circumstance where guys were out. And if you look at the whole post-All-Star break, he's kind of fine. So that balance to me is probably my biggest issue right now, is that when everything was going right – Jordan's inefficiency was fine because of Joe's efficiency and Royce's lack of shooting and being a part of the offense and being defensive minded and rebounding was fine because Jordan's taking so many shots and Joe's so efficient. 
But now all of a sudden, if Jordan's really going to be inefficient and Joe's not efficient, then we suddenly need something out of Royce. And Royce's track record doesn't show a good second half, and he looks banged up to me. Like, these are the things that make me think that we are, could, you know, those are the things that worry me um, on that. All right, let's play Do They Have Someone We Want uh, as we continue. Today's show is brought to you by betonline.ag. I'll, I'll tell you what, I wonder if, I don't know if you guys are playing. I'm not, we're not allowed to bet NBA. Um, so I don't, and I don't bet anything, to be totally honest. Um, it's an old Brandon Dart, Oregon, Utah story from many years ago. Um, the, uh, and that is the, somebody just put up an interesting comment in the chat room. Sorry, it broke my train of thought. Um, so anyway, I would have like put the house down on Phoenix minus 11 last night. Like the house plus 10. Like I just couldn't, and the guys fought through it and were, were terrific and were able to, uh, to win it or to cover the spread last night, which was kind of great. Chiefs are a seven and a half point favorite against the Bengals and the Rams are a three and a half point favorite against the Niners. If you want to play this weekend at betonline.ag NBA action Um, tonight, some good ones. Washington's a four and a half point favorite over the Clippers. As we suddenly start to watch the races in a different way, Denver's a seven and a half point favorite over Detroit. Lakers are in Brooklyn and a two and a half point favorite over the Brooklyn Nets in Brooklyn are the Lakers. That should be an interesting one to watch. Boston and Sacramento, two teams that have no consistency. Boston's an eight and a half point favorite at betonline.ag. And Minnesota's a three point favorite in Portland. Go Portland. And then we'll start to worry about Portland. Got to start watching the standings in a different way. Uh, NBA prop uh, game bets are also available and player futures and awards and MVP and all of those things. I'm waiting for the MVP to swing around back to Nikola Jokic. Uh, right now, the MVP is Steph Curry, which I just don't think is right at plus 190, then Giannis at plus 275, then Embiid at plus 375, then Jokic at 425. So four-man race for the MVP at betonline.ag. Use the promo code Locked On. Get a 50% welcome bonus if you want to get into the action. That's a 50% welcome bonus at Locked On with Locked On at betonline.ag. All right. Um, Here's a few comments from the uh, Pascal staff's minutes increased. Joe's decrease or Joe just retired and joined the coaching staff. Um, I don't think Joe really wants to retire into the coaching staff. Here was the comment that got me, which was Olympics could have had a bigger mental impact on Joe than we have. And we have realized Joe even said himself, he didn't realize what the, the relief that he had from that. I mean, Joe just 33. He's got three kids. He got his medal. Like he might, I don't, think it's in Joe's personality just to let go of the um the rope like that but you know I, I think that that implies kind of a willingness of Joe to to let go of the rope uh, honestly the dude's such a competitor he wants to be so good if it's not going right for him it's just that his body's not playing along like this happens to every guy ever in the NBA so part of me feels like that's you know for us to for us to sit there and say that would probably not be you know, I think we're disrespecting the level of competitor uh, that he is. All right, let's play. Do they have anyone we want? Here are the Charlotte. Um, and if you're on YouTube with us, we're actually sharing the screen. Here is Charlotte. Uh, pulled up the NBA trade machine. Gordon Hayward, three years left on his deal, $29.9 million. Would you do it? Kind of a perfect player for us. Would he be willing to come back and be a compliment? It's a big salary thing. It probably would cost 
Boyan and Joe, frankly, if I'm just doing the math, they probably would want Royce instead. He's long, he's big, he's skilled. He's having an, he's having an incredible year. Uh, he's averaging 17 points, five rebounds, four assists. He's not the athlete he once was. That leg has never come back quite right. He's shooting 47% from the field, 40% from three, 85% from the free throw line. He's playing 33 minutes a night. Would Charlotte, does Charlotte have a salary cap problem in significance enough that they need to get off of his money? LaMelo's going to have to sign. They're going to have to probably sign Bridges to a bunch of money coming up here. Do they went off the next two years of that? And would we be willing to take them? Would you do it? It would make us better. Could you get over it? Chat room. Would you do it? Desperate times need for desperate actions. I, you know, is he willing to assimilate? Is he willing to come in as a complimentary piece? He played it. He went to Charlotte to be the man. Uh, he's not quite that. I just don't think watching him, his body is just not playing along with him all the time. I think he's a high injury risk because of that um, leg injury. It's interesting. Just throwing it out there. Um, other players on Charlotte that are interesting. Um, I don't think they're going to, you know, they're they're w- willing to move book night to try to get a big right now. They're using, uh, the rumors are that they're trying to, move book night to get a big we don't have the big to play along with um on that and the end of their bench i actually like richards think he's gonna be a long time pro um but there aren't a lot of players on there that move our meter in any way they're not going to move bridges they're not going to move Lamelo. Plumley at nine millions favors all over again i don't think we want Ubre. so there's one guy there that you might consider all right let's look at chicago DeRozan, Vukovic, Levine, Bell, Ball all off. Derek Jones at nine, uh, $9 million uh, for one year is probably too much. Caruso's injured. Patrick Williams is out. Kobe White, they need desperately all of a sudden. Troy Brown Jr. is interesting. They picked him up off in the deal. He's out of Oregon. I don't know. I mean, suddenly they need him to play. He's worth watching, though, um, over the years. He's just an interesting player to me. He's got great height at 6'6", 215, so he's going to play in the league for a long, long time. He's the 15th pick. He came in the league wanting to be a point guard. His shooting's getting a little, little better. He's only 32% for the year, and his 190 NBA games, he's 33%. But he shows some signs every now and then of being able to shoot. Um, I like him. Like, he's a player that if I was, like, in the front office um, of a team, I would be watching consistently having someone on our staff, always watching, keeping an eye on, um, how's he evolving? What position is he comfortable playing? Where does he successful? Where's he not? Um, he, he's just got a lot of skills to him at 17 minutes. He's grabbing three rebounds and assist a steal, um, and only five points, but he's an interesting player, probably not for the trade deadline, but just one that like I would have highlighted in our list of like guys who have an upside, um, you know, maturity, things of that nature probably have to play along. Uh, Tony Bradley, you should we just play the old jazz game? You want Tony Bradley one year, seven million, come play backup center? Um, after last night, maybe do you remember that Hassan was coming off COVID? I'm not sure I'm gonna judge him. Kevin loves it 31 million, two years. He's playing really, really well. They're not gonna move Jared Allen. Ricky Rubio could get moved here. He's ACL out for the year, allows them to move 18 million. It's an expiring contract. Take someone else's deal and add to their roster. Keep an eye on that one for Cleveland. It doesn't work for us, but I think um they might do that. Uh Jenny Osmond's super interesting to me. Eight million. 
Two-year player. I actually think he's a poor man's Joe Ingles. He's 6'7", 230. He's got great length. He can't play with the ball in his hands like Joe. He can't pass it quite the way Joe does. Um, he's in a terrible shooting slump right now. He's shot, I think, about like 20% in the last 10 games as his minutes have increased. And that's a little concerning because he was shooting better this year. He's only a career 35% three-point shooter. So, like, literally when I say he's a poor man's Joe Ingles, I mean he's a poor man's Joe Ingles in the sense that he doesn't dribble as well, doesn't pass as well, doesn't shoot as well. He's just got the same length. Um, and um, But I, I I think he's smart. Like, and honestly, probably biased. He made two or three super smart plays against us earlier this year. Kind of like, I'm not going to move Mobley. They're not going to move Garland. They're not going to move Okoro. They are going to move Sexton. I don't know that he really fits for us at $6 million and what we would do. We'd have to give up a bunch of draft picks to get him. It's an interesting future piece, though, if you like Colin Sexton and if you suddenly could put a package together that Cleveland want. We don't have the draft capital um, that they're likely interested in, um, but they are going to move him. So not a lot there for us. So we've done Charlotte, Chicago, Cleveland, and there's just not a lot there um, on any of the early picks except for one, Gordon Hayward. Would you do it? An interesting question. Uh, all right. Uh, fun day. Fun conversation. Mindset change. Stay out of the seventh seed. It is locked on jazz. Have a great one. Talk to you soon.